Today's show is brought to you by Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff, a new podcast about keeping your body and skin looking toned and young. Is looking your best one of your New Year's resolutions? It better be. Join Dr. Graff, world-renowned dermatologist, author, and skincare researcher, as she interviews famous stylists, makeup artists, and fitness gurus in order to give you the best advice and tips. No beauty or skin topic is off limits, so whether you're looking for the best way to remove celluloid or how to get that perfect tan without damaging your skin, Dr. Graff has you covered. Check her out today on Fab Skin Hot Bodies with Dr. Jeanette Graff. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm Courtney Kosak. And I'm Steve Hernandez. And we are sad, right? (laughs) Speak for yourself first off, okay? I mean, Courtney just dropped this news on me, and I think a few years ago I would have been a little more sad too, but okay, what are we talking about here, Courtney? We're talking about Lena Dunham and Jack Antonoff, and we're talking about that they are no longer a couple. Now, why are you so sad about this? I don't know. It just like hit me. And it's, uh, first of all, it's raining in LA. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like coming from behind. I'm not good in this position. (laughs) I'm really severely impacted by the weather. But also, I, I was just telling Steve this, but I saw them. I had a conscious thought that maybe six months ago that I was like, are they just that comfortable with each other or like, is it like apathy? Do you know what I mean? Sure. Well, I, I've, uh, they've been together, what, five years, seven years? Yeah, it was like five and a half years or yeah, something. Yeah, that's a long time. I think I was with my wife for seven and a half years total. Our marriage, like five and a half years. So that was, that's a marriage. And they got together when she was very young as well. Yeah. So this doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, I'm, you know, I, you and I fall on the different, you still believe in a lifelong love. Uh, yeah, I do. I totally do. And I don't think like that's always what happens or that's always what should happen. Um, but totally it's something that I aspire to. Um, Why? If I find the right person. I just think that like growing and someone like, I don't know, truly being compatible with you at these like different points in your life. I don't think anyone should force it. And like my aunt got divorced or is in the process of. And like, how long was she married for? Oh my God. Like since she was 19 or some shit. And she's what? How old is she now? She's like, I'm terrible at this game. 20 years older than me, 55, let's just say. So her whole life she was married. This, your whole life, but they seemed so good. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That the whole rest of my family was almost like, why wouldn't you just make it work? (laughs) And I totally was like, listen, if you're not like feeling it or you're not feeling that someone has that passion for you or you're not impassioned about life because of like how you feel with this person, I think you should move on. I think that is... Well, you don't think that passion has much to do with marriage, do you? About a long-term successful marriage? I think you should be able to sustain a certain amount of passion. I don't think that long-term relationship should be the death of that. And that's why it takes like a really specific person. I don't think you should try to force it with someone that you don't have that with, especially like... (laughs) <laughs> at this stage in the game, like where we are. Yeah. Like the life's still hopefully very long well, in I'm, front of us too. And, and your aunt too has what, uh, you know, 25, 30 yeah. years. She's probably and thinking. she's like, Wade met her. She's like hot and like, yeah. you know, fun to be around. And like, sh- and not to say anything about him. Like, sure. obviously we all thought they should belong <laughs> together. Um, he's pretty great too. But like, she should go and find that. Yeah. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I just like, I think it's beautiful when it does work. Yeah, I, it's still, I still don't understand why. People, don't, people have such a very hard time answering this question. Why do you think it's so beautiful? Because it's like, we all change. Mm-hmm. And being a partner to someone, despite those changes if you if you still love that person in this evolving capacity and then you've have it's like old friends t- like to the 
you know, 20th power. Well, that happens all the time because we don't put so much pressure on just a friend. We don't put our whole life and our, our values and our expectations about sex and friendship and values all on one person. Yeah. No, so, and I think you shouldn't put this huge burden on your partner. I think it's something that, you know, you have to be finding outlets in other ways or like. I love that you're so sad about Lena Dunham and Jack Adenoff. Really? Yeah, why? I mean, what do you what do you care about Lena Dunham and Jack? No, I it bums me out because like I kinda saw saw it. You mean you saw signs of it? I saw signs of it and I didn't know, like I said, if it was like comfortable but they were like truly in love. They're so young, man. I know. I don't give a shit really. I'm just saying what it stands for <laughs> yeah. in my mind. Yeah, well, I mean, I hope Lena's got like three or four more in her. Like big lifetime love. Listen, they're both uh, gonna be fine. <laughs> Jack, I, you know, I'm totally fine with Jack, but Lena, you know, she's a special nut to crack, you know, racist without really now admitting it, that kind of thing. <laughs> 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 she's gonna be a real special nut. I used to have a big crush on her, but because she's so wildly talented and everything, but after a while, it's like, oh, this girl's too much. I know, yeah. she really, yeah, she really is. I guess it's just that, yeah, they both seemed so kind of weird and specific. And then they found this person that for a while seemed like a really good match. Yeah. And then and then it's no more. And fucking life is change and I just need to mourn it for a second. That's all right. That's all right. This is the first I heard of it. I mean, I really used to have a big crush on her. So, you know, you talked to me five years ago, then I would have been like, oh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in, baby. I'm going to start writing some emails or something like that, a <laughs> newsletter or something. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, right now, I just wanted to be respectful and have her time away. And, you know, I'll, I'll be happy with my near perfect girlfriend. The reason why we're dwelling on all this stuff, though, too, is because of our guest today. Uh, we're talking about uh, Tao Respol. Rispoli. R- Rispoli. Rispoli. <laughs> there we go. And his movie, Monogamish. If you guys haven't seen it, it's available uh, on Stars, And I, I think other places too, right? It's a, it's about to roll up, roll out in like all the like iTunes, you know, venues where you can buy it. So keep your eye out. Well, I don't know if I said the name. Did I say Monogamish yet? No. you. I, I don't know if you did, but it's called Monogamish and it's got all the big... Sex and love and monogamy talking heads like Dan Savage, Stephanie Kuntz. Who else is on it? Uh, the the French woman who's down with cheating. Oh my god, Esther Perel. Yeah, I Esther love Perel. Her. Everyone, Dan, uh, um, the guy from Sex at Dawn. We're Chris. Chris. Uh, I've just been going through my emails for the last three hours. I'm yeah. like brain dead right now. Please, if, but- you're, if you're if you're a sex nerd like me, all the big books, everything you've read in the past five years, having to do with non monogamy, he and polyamory. convinced all of them to <laughs> yeah. do this documentary. And once you hear the podcast too, you'll see why he was. He's so very charming, and he's so um, curious. And wildly inquisitive about the whole thing. And, uh, you know, we try not to give too much about the movie away. So you got to see Monogamish. But I thought it was such a great primer for, you know, we talk about non-monogamy and polyamory like every three or four episodes on this. Because it's it's something that's on. I I know it's on my mind. I know Courtney's kind of checked out about the idea. But I'm always (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) What are you talking about? You're not. Yeah, no, I am. I (laughs) I am. Yeah. I totally am. Yeah. So, uh, but to me, I'm always trying to figure out that. And, and then, you know, even together, me and uh, Tao explore that because he, he doesn't claim to have all the answers. And uh, that's one, one thing I really loved about him and I loved about this conversation is he, he said, hey, man, I'm still on this journey myself. I, I can't speak to that. I can't, um, I don't know how I'm going to feel in five years or when children come come along. The thing I loved best about him is he... Um, he wasn't flippant about any part of no. polyamory at all. He he he, and I agree with this. He talked about you know when you have sex with someone, it's a dangerous thing. It's it's an important thing. It's not a flippant thing because we can't choose. Anna Aerosmith said that too. Yeah, that it's like you're playing with chemistry. You're playing with like something that's like greater than just. Bumping uglies. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you know, our bodies make us fall in love with who, and we don't know who those people are going to be, and we don't know when that's going to happen. So if you're in a, you know, if you're in a happy relationship and you have sex with somebody else, you, you know, you're risking the potential that you might fall in love with them, or at least your body's going to tell you to do that. So I love that he did that. I love that he talked about uh, children and how they might change things with you, mm-hmm. no matter like what that. you think ethically about polyamory. How um, 
I mean, he's just responsible about the whole thing, which, you know, that, that goes with the, the title polyamory about a responsible uh, non-ethical mon- monogamy. I, I like that, but uh, he seemed to take it all very seriously, and this meant a lot to him, and you can tell it meant a lot to him. And you can see that in, in the movie Monogamish, so check that out. But more importantly, you can just keep listening to this podcast, and you'll see uh, why he's such an interesting, uh, good guy. Uh, so without further ado, you guys, here's uh, Tara Ruspoli. There's a lot of subscription box services out on the market right now, but I'm here to tell you, you need only one. We're talking about FabFitFun. They deliver a box of full-size fashion, beauty, home fitness, and wellness products to you four times a year for the low price of $49.99. A box, a which box. is amazing. <laughs> you guys, the value in these boxes is incredible because they're not just sending you little skimpy samples or anything like that. They're sending you full-size products and amazing products that you would want to buy every day. Like they sent this Kate Somerville exfoliating treatment and this product is amazing. That's probably 50 bucks right there. Probably, I know. But this is just one of the many things that came in the box. It was like Christmas. Actually, it was very close to Christmas morning. Courtney (laughs) called me and she was like, did you get the uh, FabFitFun box? And I was like, okay, let me look into it. I brought it to Julia and we opened it. And it was as if I was Santa Claus himself. Okay, (laughs) She opened it and she was pulling out item after item. So not only is this quality stuff, but there is a ton of stuff in each box. Here, let's run through it. Okay, well, let's just say some of the things. She got this beautiful poncho from BB Dakota. This hand cream that she fell in love with, uh, Ahava. It's a, it's a dead sea water hand cream. She went crazy. For she this. was literally just rubbing her hands with it right now. I do not understand women's obsession with lotion. Uh, you know, I gave up on this stuff after middle school, but she loved the stuff. There's this coffee mug in here. I'd rather be in bed. There's, ah. a, there's an exercise ball. We have uh, we have a bunch of energizing eye masks, anti wrinkle cream, necklace. These amazing post workout socks. They're like the fuzziest socks ever. I have not taken them off one time since. I cannot explain to you that this box has made my girl friend incredibly happy you'll be happy too because you get so much value so many quality products and if you haven't signed up yet it's not too late so use promo code reality to get ten dollars off your first box you get ten dollars off the editor's box that's 39.99 but you get over a 200 dollars value you need this in your life (laughs) (laughs) go to fabfitfun.com to subscribe and use our code reality Once again, try FabFitFun today. Go to FabFitFun.com to subscribe and start getting the box for a life well lived. Use promo code REALITY to get $10 off your first box. That's products valued at $200 for only $39.99. You're not going to regret it. You guys, very excited about today's guest. We have Tao Respoli. 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 (laughs) Respoli. (laughs) Roosfully. And uh, he is the writer-creator behind a new documentary, Monogamish, which as soon as I saw uh, a post about it, I was like, oh my God, this is like right up our alley. Well, it's a sex nerds uh, fantasy. You have all the big heads from all the, the sex nerd stuff. Dan Savage, Esther Perel. Stephanie, what's Stephanie's last name? Kuntz. 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 I mean, these are people. If you're any kind of a sex nerd, yeah. you're like I was. Like, I was like, Ryan. he's got them all. Yeah. I was like Christopher Ryan. You kept going. I was watching it. I was like, he has everyone here. So that must have been amazing to interview all of these people, right? Yeah, and it took uh, forever to. Uh, I, at first, I was very naive. I just wrote to Dan Savage. I'd been reading him since college, uh, and I just wrote him a, an, uh, an email saying, hey, I've been reading you a long time, I, I want to make a movie, and you should star in it, and I want to call it Monogamish, and like three months later, I get a, 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 an email back from his, <laughs> his agent saying, well, he's really busy, and also you're going to have to change the name, because he's trademarked the word Monogamish, really? which he invented, and um, which at first I was kind of grumbling about, but now I realize this was a wise move. And then especially since after after three years of interviewing all the luminaries in the field uh, and them finally convincing him with, you know, kind of haranguing him and and convincing him to to, to be in the movie, then he, he very uh, generously granted me the right to use the title, which I'm glad now I'm the only one because I think there was another show that wanted it, a, t- a TV show, and he said no. And so... 
I get to be the monogamish movie. <laughs> That's awesome. You got his brand, his stamp of approval. Yeah, and he loved the movie, as has everybody else who's been in it. We've been touring around the country with it. Uh, we screened in New York for a week, and it got extended twice because we just had like packed theaters every cool. night. And uh, it seems to be in the zeitgeist, the topic, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. And it's so interesting. I love that it. It's like a a three-year exploration because like you can four see years. four years you can see like you have a beard in part of it and then <laughs> nod and like you know it's like this real deep dive yeah and in a way i had to kind of i, I was frustrated that, that it took so long um i thought i was done after like a year and i i showed it to my mom who's supposed to be your nicest you know most forgiving <laughs> critic and she was like it's a disaster and I was, like, oh, was she right? Fuck. Was it a disaster? It was. And, and the reason wasn't just the technical filmmaking creative thing. It was also just my own process because I kind of mixed, you know, my own journey th- uh, with it. You know, it's not hopefully not in a self-indulgent way, just as a as a, as a vehicle to, to, to deal with these issues. I went through a divorce myself and I uh, was using this to kind of find out what the fuck had happened, you know, and like, why, why does marriage exist as an institution? Why does monogamy exist as an ideal? And, um, and after a year, I still hadn't matured enough through the process, hadn't really finished this, this like learning process Mm -hmm. and this, you know, divorce is a rite of passage in a way. And, uh, and it, it took four years to kind of come to my own conclusions which are not you know i don't prescribe anything you've seen the movie like i don't tell everybody like what they should do but to have this kind of nuanced open conversation took some growing on my part and 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 it wasn't until you know i don't want to give away the ending but it wasn't until this kind of life transforming thing happened that I was able to kind of finally put a, a final period on the movie or maybe a final question mark. I don't know. (laughs) Well, so it see Courtney wanted to ask you about this, but should we not talk about the ending? Should we save it? I don't know. Should we, should we We, hint at it? Maybe we can can tease. Let's just tilt our hand just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, did, so did you try some form of non-monogamy, open relationship, polyamory? Is yeah. That- so, so I, the, the movie, you know, starts with me getting divorced and, and kind of like having the whole world, my world kind of pulled out from under me. And now, um, let, let me, let me stop you right there. Did you, how soon after you split, did you uh, come up with the idea for this project? So I had this neighbor and, and why? I had this neighbor, uh, Roberta Hayes. You see her in the she's movie. She's fantastic. She's got a purple oh hair. <laughs> she's one of the, the best people in the world and a great character. And she lived down the alley from me in Venice. And I like was having trouble sleeping like during like the throes of my like, my heartbreak. And I would wake up at like four in the morning and look out my window and her little light was on. And I would call her up and say, can we have breakfast? And I'd go over there and we'd ha- we'd have like these amazing conversations. This is like a, a blue rinse woman in her 70s, you know, chain smokes, has the most amazing clothes and had this like 40 year old boyfriend. And, uh, oh, really? and, yeah, and talked like so <laughs> frankly about her sex life and just had all this kind of wry wisdom about her and humor and just was like this wonderful character. And so... I realized right away, even though I was like suffering, going through this, like sh- I needed to make a movie about this woman. So I, I, I asked her if I could interview her, and I spent a couple days just chatting with her about relationships, and I made a ten-minute film about her, and I put that on YouTube, and people loved it, and actually launched her career as an actress and model and like you know personality before she had been like a costume designer, and. Um, And so I I put that on YouTube. It did really well. Oliver Stone watched it and he's been a kind of mentor of mine and been a a supporter of my previous films. And and, uh, so he's like, this is fantastic. And so I realized like, hey, this could maybe be the jumping off point of a longer project. And at first I was kind of uh, a snob about the idea of making a film about relationships. It seemed kind of like flaky or mushy or something Uh like my previous film had been about Heidegger, you know, obscure kind of German philosopher. And uh, I'd made films about flamenco music and about just like kind of niche things and, and, and kind of intellectual things. And, and, and the idea of like making a film about relationships seemed a little bit 
I don't know, vague and, and broad like I said, and basic. And, yeah. And, 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 and yeah, not, not rigorous for some reason. Uh-huh. And I was quickly humbled out of that snobbery because like I realized very quickly, like you could write a PhD dissertation about every single aspect of this. If you look at it economically, if you look at it historically, anthropologically, sociologically, um, psychologically, any way that you attack this, it opens up this in- incredible uh, 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 conversation, and um, and quickly, I, you know, I, I ended up meeting, you know, first I, I talked to lawyers, anthropologists, sex therapists, sex workers. I went to a free love commune in Portugal, and uh, and it, it quickly showed me that, however complicated I thought it was, it's even more complicated than that. I mm-hmm. think, yeah. You talk a lot about uh, your family, and your dad had different kids with a variety of, uh, with a bunch of different women. Uh, when you were a kid, did you were you angry at that? No, I was really lucky to be born with rose-colored glasses a little bit, mm-hmm. and always was very grateful that my parents, even though it was difficult, you know, and I have hard memories of them breaking up when I was small. I very quickly became grateful for the fact that I had these kind of two existences. And I was shown a different, very different perspectives. Uh, And I think it also made me the type of person who could question all of these basic assumptions of society. Um, So, yeah, I I wasn't too bitter about it. Yeah, I I mean, I didn't sense that you were bitter at all about it, too. And it does, Dan even says it, it does sound like a pretty fantastical kind of romantic way to be when you're younger, right? Yeah. I mean, how did you, what did you think about love then? Like uh, how you pursued it when you got old enough to, to be in love? What did you want out of love? Well, so, so just for people who haven't seen the movie, my dad was an Italian prince <laughs> and he was, he was very eccentric, very rebellious, had many uh, wives and many children from different relationships, had two children in his seventies. Like when, when he was 70 years old, he called me up and said, Tao, I'm getting married. And <laughs> to his beautiful 30-year-old girlfriend. And then a few months later called me and said, we're having a child. <laughs> and, and then, you know, after the, my little sister was born, I, I remember going to visit and, you know, thinking I was joking, I said, yeah, are you going to have more children? And he'd say, Tao, let me live my youth. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in a few years. Uh, and then sure enough, when he was 73, he called me up and said, we're having another kid. So... Um, so I was very lucky to have this kind of double life because my mom, kind of, when she split up from my dad, she brought us to L.A. and we lived a normal kind of middle class existence. Mm-hmm. And then in the summers, I'd go to Italy and he, my dad would be in this castle that we've had since 1530. And, um, and I'd see him kind of living this very weird and wonderful existence. There was always, it was rebellious, but also full of kind of a, a deep search and of wisdom and a, and uh, sensitivity, and this po- he was a, he was a poet also. He published books of poetry and a photographer. So it wasn't just like a reckless rebellion. It was mm-hmm. a true curiosity about life and a true wanting to push at the boundaries. Because my my family goes back a thousand years in Italy and comes from a very Catholic, very uh, hierarchical, structured existence. And he grew up like wanting to rebel against that because it was very confining Mm -hmm. and so i think that what what happened was in the movie i get to look at these historical issues and these academic issues in a very personal way so i can look at the way things were 300 years ago and not just talk to a historian but go to the castle and talk to my cousin who's very funny she's amazing and she's like such a wealth of knowledge yeah maybe my favorite part well her her idea about why divorce is terrible and how we should just get rid of <laughs> get yes. rid of people when it doesn't work out is like oh my god I rolled yeah when 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 when, when my when my great 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 however many greats grandmother was the niece of the pope and uh-huh. she got married uh, and the pope gave them the 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 Ruspoli castle which is still in the family as a wedding present in 1531. And then she got sick of him and she killed him. Uh, and and my dad used to joke that she was the first feminist. And then she killed two more husbands after that. <laughs> Had them killed in the village, as my cousin says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so so marriage has a, has a very interesting history, both 
in my own family and in the world at large. And one of the things that's made it so um, survive so long is that it, 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 it's changed. It's evolved. Mm -hmm. The institution has evolved. And even when we when we talk about monogamy, it used to mean one marriage for your whole life and people who got divorced even 30 years ago were frowned on and seen as like less moral now even the most conservative you know right-wing people kind of ignore this idea about divorce in fact it's kind of ironic that they say uh you know they'll quote like leviticus against like gay marriage and then in you know in another verse it says if your wife is not a virgin when you marry her, she should be killed. Mm -hmm. And I think people safely ignore that. People pick and choose, right? Right, right. Uh, there's a bit of hypocrisy in there, which hopefully we can help uh, point out and move past with things like conversations like this movie. Yeah. Even in present day, um, like you interview a wide range of people from happy longtime couple, seemingly happy longtime couples to, you know, people that are happy in open and poly relationships to people that seem like they've just kind of been flitting around. Do you think that there's like hard wiring, like people are more likely to be one way or another or like what, what kind of, did you gain any personal well, I have a you know I studied philosophy at Berkeley and and I I was very influenced by existentialist philosophers whose main the kind of the, the main tenet of existentialism is that uh, there is no fixed human nature ah. that we we take a stance on what it is to be human through our culture through our choices and. Yes, there, there are biological uh, impulses, you know, like we have to eat, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the only thing that's going on when we sit down and have dinner, when, you know, in a nice restaurant or with our family. Like there's so many layers of ritual, of culture, of significance that go beyond the nutritional need to, you know, put food in your mouth. So I think with sex, it's the same. Like, yes, we need to have sex to procreate, but most sexual acts don't lead to, to uh, pregnancy. And if that was the only reason to have sex, then women wouldn't want to have sex when they weren't ovulating and women wouldn't want to have sex after menopause. And mm -hmm. So there's clearly much more to sex than, than uh, procreation. And, 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 there's, and we've built a society and rituals of mating around it and not only marriage as a you know contract but all of look we're at a bar right now think about all of the things that happen between <laughs> men and women here and look at all this the scandals that have happened recently and the redefinition of what is okay to do finally you know like we have like questioning of of power dynamics that are happening between men and women. So these are questions that are constantly being asked and answered, not only theoretically, but in our uh -huh. very practices. So I'm very wary of saying like, oh, naturally we're this and we're not that. Like, I think that the, the point of the movie is to, is to just have a deeper and more nuanced conversation and be a part of the constantly evolving mm -hmm. zeitgeist around these issues. So like some of it is just conditioned, cult culturally some of it's like personal experiences i think it's i think it's i think it's very much cultural and i think that we're part of that of the defining of that culture and that every age thinks that what they're doing is natural and the way it is but it's 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 all you have to do is look back 20 years or or look at right. another culture and see that these things are totally historically and culturally contingent and and then hopefully that gives you the freedom to approach these things in a more authentic way, if that makes sense. Uh -huh. um, watch it, growing up with your dad like that, did you, when you got married, did you think that you were going to be married forever? Um, I think I was, I was um, willing to, to be open to that possibility. Of course, like, how can I put this? Like the, the beauty of relationships is that you don't, it's not 100% certain. If you were totally sure from the start, then you wouldn't have to do anything, right? So I think that this kind of like, like uh, 
openness to whatever happens, but also working with somebody. That's the beauty of like, mm -hmm. like a commitment mm -hmm. and of trying to build something with someone. But at the same time, thank God we're not stuck in things for the rest of our lives, whether we like it or not anymore, right? <laughs> I think Stephanie Kuntz makes this point beautifully in the movie. She says, uh, we're living in a historical paradox in a way, because yeah. marriage is... Uh, uh, in a way, more f more free, more loving, more equal than it ever has been in history, and at the same time, it's no longer seen as the only option. So when when it's not going as well as it should, people are less likely to put up with it. It used to be that people would just stay no matter what because the the, the repercussions of leaving a marriage were so. Mm -hmm. disastrous for, for for women especially you know who like depended on marriage to just the uh, for their basic sustenance right i mean that's part of what we explain in the movie too is marriage was uh, and monogamy were very much uh began as a way of controlling women's sexuality and making sure that 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 women stayed home and raised children and didn't wander off and 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 it's like <laughs> ten thousand years of kind of trying to contain this women's sexual energy which men have feared uh maybe rightly <laughs> they you you make an interesting um I, observation about yourself in the movie about as your wife at the time became more successful you it started to affect uh your feelings on masculinity and that's so interesting because you seem like such this like I'm sure you are this progressive guy in 2017 who's still kind of struggling with that. No, it's interesting because this it's again where where the culture kind of pushes back. Like now we live in a time finally, you know, people have asked often like about open relationships, for example, and and, mm -hmm. and having multiple partners. Like, oh well, how is that different from like Mormonism with like many wives or like you think of the the Arab sheik with his like harem uh -huh. and that that's a, a totally different paradigm where you have like men controlling resources and like owning a bunch of women basically and that's what's the idea that the reason that polyamory is so new and interesting is that it's against the backdrop of of greater and greater equality between men and women and women not needing to have uh find a man to you know pay for their uh, children and their lives and all of this kind of thing uh, at the same time, we st we still live in a in a in with this kind of background of like assumptions of men like needing to kind of be the breadwinners mm -hmm. and and that sort of thing. And so it's it was interesting for me to be with a woman who like made a lot more money than me and like you know was more able to pay the bills and do do, do all of this. Um, it brought to the forefront this kind of shift that's happening in the culture and i think it's it's wonderful i think it's wonderful but i i still think that marriage still has in it built into it some of these assumptions of like the role of the man and the woman and it's interesting to watch that evolve and see what that did in my own relationship did absolutely. it surprise you that you felt that way absolutely yeah yeah because i I, I'm lucky in the sense that I'm attracted to women who are very independent and very uh, 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 powerful and um, and how to negotiate that in a relationship is is a new issue I think that we have as a culture and, and that people have to come to terms with mm -hmm. did you find so I mean it's clear though not explicit that towards the end of your relationship it was like monogamy was the struggle right to stay monogamous or to not was infidelity the final issue no 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 infidelity wasn't the final issue it's just the idea of like like being in uh in a relationship that's limits you from all the other experiences that life has to offer you know uh -huh. like we're very young and and uh and the idea of like feeling kind of stuck in something i think was the was the bigger issue in a, in a, in a more kind of general abstract way i don't want to get too into it because like sure i don't i, I have to respect the privacy of which i thought you uh, did a great job of in the movie like, thank you thank yeah. you yeah no that's on purpose like i i really don't want to uh use my personal life as fodder for you mm -hmm. know gossip or or you know <laughs> it's just 
I, the, the divorce was the beginning of the movie. And then like what happened after that was what I'm most interested in. Do you, what do you think of the idea that society tells us that monogamy is just a part of growing up, that you have to suppress that side of you from, from that point on? The side you talk about, hey, I want to keep experiencing things, but it feels to me, because this is something I'm dealing with my my own relationship. I used to have, I used to be in an open marriage. We were polyamorous, and now I'm in a monogamous relationship. But I talk with my girlfriend about it all the time because I don't, I don't understand what the right thing for me to do is. Because there is a part of me that would want to keep experiencing things, but also uh, I do feel like maybe this is just part of growing up. Uh, just to choose to be monogamous. I mean, this is a very personal question. There's no right answer, obviously. But how do you feel about that idea? Yeah, no, I think it's because I do think there's something to commitment and building something with somebody. And I think this is why it's different from like the 1960s. Like in the 60s, you have to understand like we're the the 50s culture had been so repressive and Mm -hmm. so, you know, just uh, boundary defined. And then like people started like taking LSD, for example, and then suddenly they're like, okay none of this we should throw it all away <laughs> everyone's i remember like listening to a, 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 a lecture by timothy leary who was the great like lsd uh, uh professor at harvard and he was in 1965 saying everyone should leave their jobs everyone should drop out of school everyone should leave the cities and like go back and live in nature and we should all like take acid and like have free love and in a way that's like was throwing away the baby with the bathwater. i think that what happened was people realize, no, there is something, something about what Western civilization has built. Some things are worth keeping. And I think of that, the idea of like building a family and of like having a person that you know is there with you through thick and thin and all of that is beautiful and worth like, and I think people who are polyamorous today versus people like moving into the communes and practicing free love in the 60s, are negotiating that in a more subtle way. They're saying, let's let's hold on to the the good stuff. Let's hold on to commitment. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that our children have uh, some uh, stability in their lives. Let's uh, let's let's build within the confines of 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 society, but pushing at the boundaries more gently. Let's say, mm-hmm. and whether sexual exclusivity is something that we can push at is the question the movie answer asks and the question I'm asking all the time. And I think the question that a lot of people are asking right now, like can a commit committed relationship survive other sexual experiences? Now you have, you know, I, I often think about the relationship between food and sex, because I think that, that yeah. they're both biological functions that then have this rich possibility of meaning and of like other rituals and Mm. other things built around it. So you look at Mike Pence, he won't eat with a woman alone if his wife's not there, (laughs) right? That's like this extreme idea of like what can threaten his marriage, right? Right. I think that's absurd, obviously, and most people do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it also has all sorts of problems built into it because obviously if, if he won't eat with a woman uh, when his wife's not there, how many women is that excluding from power possibility since he's the vice president of the United States? And like, like so that's that's shutting out in an interesting and subtle and I think nefarious way, shutting out women, right? So, uh, so that's the one extreme, right? And then the other extreme is like, I've, I've now know couples who uh, are married and have children and allow each other to have sex with whoever they want. The same way that we allow each other to have, have lunch with whoever we want or, you know, take a trip with somebody or, you know, you, you imagine there's the, the relationships between men and women are much looser than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Thank God, right? Um, so I think each couple, though, has to figure out very carefully what can they uh, accept, right? And hopefully what the movie does is helps people have that conversation in an honest way and say, oh, wow, like I actually am okay with you, you know, flirting with somebody or making out with somebody or having sex with them if I'm there or Mm -hmm. having sex with them as long as I'm not there and I don't know about it or as long as, you know, you only only do it once and uh, or as long as you're only out of town or, you know, people have figured out different ways. And what's really interesting is when it's done in the service of maintaining the relationship versus as a way of like 
threatening it. But it's playing with fire, no question. Like, the, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to belittle the. What makes you say that? Because these are powerful forces. I think, like when you when you make love to somebody, you're you're opening up a space of real intimacy and possibilities, and the, you can't help like suddenly imagining a new life, maybe, or uh -huh. having. And I think that polyamorous people are recognizing this in a really interesting way, and like. Call, you know they have new relationship energy they call it and yeah. like let's recognize that that's what that is and it doesn't mean that your life with this person is going to be better you know you're quickly going to fall into the same patterns and so often like we jump from one relationship to the other thinking like we're going to be different you know it's going to be different but we realize that we keep meeting ourselves <laughs> in each of those relationships so maybe it's better to stick with one person and 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 build something with that person and have i think this uh, my friend arthur who is wonderful in the film that i talked to over skype and he says you know like he's been married to the same person for 37 years and if you if you're able to build a tribe and expand the number of people that love you and you love versus like i've experienced this now i'm gonna move on to the next thing and i'm gonna experience this and if you look at people who just live completely selfishly that way you know maybe they don't maybe their lives in the, in the long run aren't quite as admirable they don't have that that sense of them having built something with, through mm -hmm. compromise and and like the growth that comes from building something with somebody. What surprised you the most? Something you learned before you started the movie that you didn't know you were going to come out at the end? I didn't even know that polyamory exists. I mean, obviously I'd heard of like open relationships and stuff, but the idea that there's a movement of people who are consciously, you know, and ethically and uh, uh, practicing alternatives to monogamy I think is I learned in the movie and I think is the most interesting thing happening right now. And again, it's not a cure-all and it's not for everybody. Uh, I found that it is for me now. Uh -huh. So I, I'm exploring the, the having multiple loving relationships because I'm not interested in like superficial like one night stands. I'd much rather build something with somebody uh, and get to know them. And then I like the idea of of a bit of transgression and the, the 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 things that happen from that that the other big thing I learned and that surprised me and that I love is that when you take away the element of competition between people, uh, often like unexpected friendships will arise. Like I became involved with a married woman and uh, she's in an open relationship with her husband, and I became really good friends with her husband. And the moment that that element of me being a threat wasn't even considered an option. It opened up a space of, of, of finding that two people who love the same person actually have a lot in common. And I've had lovers, you know, that I've introduced to each other in ways that were super dangerous because, you know, you, you, you're with somebody and then you say, okay, well, I'm actually with somebody else also, Hey, would you like to meet? Um, that's that's something that's not generally done in the old paradigm right you don't you would if anything it's like hidden or you know people lie about things or if at the very least it's like swept under the rug i don't you know what people say i think that that idea of like i don't ask don't tell doesn't work like it just like builds people's paranoia and uh so i've had situations where i took the risk of introducing two people that i've were seeing at the same time and found them falling in love with each other and that's just like a whole <laughs> other realm of of beauty and of of eroticism and of all of this that you never could have imagined you know especially as also people's i think uh, gender identities and sexual uh -huh. proclivities are are are, are more, more more fluid than ever before um uh you know, I, I've seen younger. I, I always joke that I wish I was vegetarian. I wish I was bisexual because philosophically, I agree with both. But my sure. my hunger is different. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but but so women, in so many ways, are more advanced than men. And I, I one of them is I think a, a more uh, uh, fluid sense of uh, attraction and bisexuality uh -huh. and everything. So I, I think that when. And also when women aren't, going back to what we were saying before, when women aren't dependent on men for economically, that also frees up uh, uh, 
the possibility of women not being in competition with each other mm -hmm. for the resources of a few men. Because that's what happens in, in cultures like, if you look at Arabic cultures or macho kind of Latin cultures, where there's this, still this old fashioned way of like men, a few men like hoarding all the resources. Uh, then you get less solidarity between women and you get more women like calling each other sluts and whores and all of this because they're needing to compete for the resources of these few men, right? At, in a culture that's more egalitarian and women have more opportunities financially, then you get more solidarity between women. And I think that that's a fascinating kind of byproduct of uh, this more progressive, open way of seeing relationships. So, so far you're... you're polyamorous experience has been profoundly positive it's been challenging for sure and 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 now i'm kind of you know i'm living it as a as a unattached man like mm. i don't i don't live with somebody i don't have children mm -hmm. so it's more lighthearted in my case than it is for a married couple with children who decide to be open but I've seen that from like I've been in a relationship with a woman who's in an open marriage with children. So I've seen I've been the third in that, but I haven't I haven't yet lived it within this, the the uh, the context of building something the way we talked about earlier. And so I, I am curious about that as a possibility. And I, you know, I do want children eventually, and I'll be interested to see if that's actually a possibility. You know, back to your question, like I. I don't know if if it's too dangerous or if it's possible or if you need to just grow up and suck it up and just say like <laughs> I'm not gonna like you know be chasing every desire that I have right yeah was it working out successfully in like the married situation yeah but that relationship has evolved in different ways too like every situation is so much its own thing uh. And uh, and and ev what I found in the movie, like spending four years, like every relationship and every person's circumstance changed so much in the four years. Even people who are still married and you know ostensibly monogamous, like it's it, it's never static, right? You have children, the children grow. You have different, you know. There's just there's there's no fixed way. Right, and there's no like solid answers. We're 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 grasping at at the, this very elusive, ever changing thing. Well, even uh, which is you know why Dan Savage created the term monogamish, anyways, is that there isn't a there isn't some catch-all. You, you, when we talk about that man who was married to his woman, and uh, as soon as she had kids, she didn't want to have sex anymore. She just didn't want to. Yeah. I mean, what do you do with that? Maybe before you can you would just have affairs, but. Now we're at a place through polyamory and some of these other discussions where it's like, we could say, hey, you know, is it okay if I have sex with somebody once a month, you know, if you don't yeah. want to? And, uh, and you know, hopefully the person, the partner could could look at that in a real humane way and say, sheesh, I don't, I don't see why not. Right. I, j j that's what's great about this movie. Uh, this is like the, uh, probably like the primer for people who are interested in the idea of non-monogamy. Yeah. Uh, because it a answer it asks all the questions and it does a really great job of answering a lot of them too. And I think the word monogamish is interesting because the way Dan Savage uses it and the way that I came to understand it are a little bit different in an interesting way. I think Dan says people individuals should be monogamish. Like he thinks that the best thing is for people to stay committed and and therefore. Um, that 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 sexual he says in the movie sexual exclusivity is the enemy of commitment because he thinks a lot of people leave sexually exclusive relationships just so that they can find the the mm -hmm. new so so he's actually advocating i think for a certain way of being which is monogamish committed to one person but also open to being with other people i think i call the movie monogamish because i think that our culture on the whole is monogamish like we have an uneasy relationship to monogamy uh -huh. as a uh, Western civilization in the 21st century. Like we are monogamish because we, we can't figure out whether we want this like lifelong commitment to one person or if we want to have the freedom and possibility. And I think we see it also like the negative side of it and the pos positive side and this uneasy tension like in in everything even like the internet for example like the fact that we can just constantly be looking for new stimulation and like you know like instead of like sitting down and watching a movie like we want to watch youtube videos that are maybe 
superficial and uh -huh. and then constantly looking for the next thing to entertain us and there is like the possibility of too many options and like no reason why one option is any better than any other and then we can like end up in this kind of empty meaningless uh passive existence where we're just constantly looking for the next thing right um so it's the same with relationships like where do you how do you how do you get like a depth and at the same time recognize that we do have like all these options out there and that's a, something i don't have the answer to <laughs> it's like it's a parent like esther perel says it really interestingly she, she says it's not it's not a uh a problem that we solve it's a paradox that we manage i love that so yeah. much i thought that was brilliant you're interested in exploring non-monogamy maybe you watch the movie whatever what are like the first kind of conversations around boundaries or whatever that you think are important for people that are trying it out to have well first of all i think what ha what goes wrong because i've been in long-term monogamous relationships including my marriage and others as well and i think that what happens often is that it's not just about sex i think that in a relationship often you come to like a, a hundred little crossroads every day mm -hmm. where you have two options you have s telling the person what they want to hear or saying the truth and, <laughs> and i think what often happens is that we start to like get lazy and realize like oh if i just say this i cannot deal with this problem right and again, it's not just about sex or, or attractions. It's about like food, everything, you know, movies. Yes. <laughs> and every time that we choose to just acquiesce and not do the work with the person and just say what they want to hear, we in a very subtle way create a barrier of in, in the intimacy that exists between us. And I think that if you add those up, eventually, suddenly you have a disconnect between the person that you've created, like the image you've created for this person and who you actually are. And when those two have diverged too much, that's when eventually a relationship can end. And then people don't understand like why, what happened, right? So I think what's what what you have to start with is like a commitment to honesty and like really saying what you believe and think and like doing the work of like, coming to terms with the fact that that can create a little bit of discomfort in the moment. But in the long term, that allows more intimacy to uh, grow between you, right? And if that then includes like the fact that you're also attracted to other people and that you want to include the consequences of that attraction into your relationship, that's just going to add those crossroads to those crossroads that I'm talking about, right? You're going to have more of them and more difficult ones because even in an open relationship, it's still sometimes challenging to like say, oh, you know, I did this or I want to do this. And uh, I, I find that even in, in the context of total freedom, which I've kind of like taken on right now, I still sometimes have to like struggle with how much do I tell a person about what I'm up to and how, how much do I own my behavior versus like painting another picture of myself to for people that sometimes can be, you know, uh, uh, advantageous to, you know, making them, you know, fall in love with you more by saying, <laughs> you know, by, 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 by creating an image. There was a great book in the 50s written called The Games games people play i think it was mm -hmm. called and it talks about the fact that every time we say something to somebody in any context there's always two things there's the the literal meaning of what you're saying and then there's the effect you want to have with what you're saying right so i could be there's there's the content of what i'm saying but there's also the fact like i want to impress you or i want to uh, uh seduce you or i want to uh point your attention at something else sure. or you know there's always and and the more we can align those two things and be like transparent with our intentions then the more mature we are right anyway no that's all great it's a, that's why we talk about often on the show too how uh, a lot of times people when they start dating someone they don't even discuss monogamy at all it's just a given where they, it's just like, oh, we're just going to be monogamous yeah. no matter what. And that, that that's just how it is. When a lot of times, 
just that conversation um, could could make you more intimate with the person than you you would ever be. I mean, I have these talks with my girlfriend, whom I love, and even if I don't uh, act on them all the time, uh, I I think she appreciates it. And if for some ever reason, if we break up because of it, it'll be an honest thing. It'll be a real thing. And it's so nice the intimacy that can come from being honest with somebody, no matter what that is. And it, that's that's the beauty of like open relationships. I think is that when there's this like deep connection that can happen with somebody when you feel when you give yourself permission to to be truly honest with them, and you give them permission to be honest with you, and that at its best it creates a real and and, and that can come down to even hearing about somebody that you love's experience with somebody else. And when they feel free to actually tell you, like, I had sex with this person and it was great. And and you can kind of like negotiate that little bit of jealousy, but also <laughs> that thrill that comes and also the fact that it makes you appreciate the other person in a way that you realize that they're not just there for you no matter what. And that there's a, there's a hotness that comes from that too. So... Again, I, I, I don't want to advocate like that it's that everyone should try this, but I do think it's lovely that it's an option now. Mm-hmm. And I think that also there's all sorts of wonderful things. Like, for example, uh, when when somebody is in a relationship in the old way, suddenly it, a lot of people just cut off a certain possibility with that person because they're like, oh, they're taken. Right? Mm-hmm. As if they're somebody's property. Mm-hmm. And therefore, and then that might be nice for some people, especially women who like, you know, are tired of being hit on all the time. <laughs> There's probably a nice thing about like saying, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got a marriage wedding ring on uh-huh. and therefore like, you know, I'm off limits. At the same time, there's something nice about the kind of uh, nuanced flirtations that can happen between men and women and knowing that that's still possible even though the person's in a relationship is, is it can be fun and, and add like excitement to life, no? That's like compersion, right? Is that the word for it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when you, you're happy for the person you love experiencing pleasure. Or like turned that's on not, by it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're not like that, obviously. No, I, I get it in theory. I, <laughs> I think I'm like very, my parents were very monogamous and like, I don't know. It's just like my, definitely my comfort zone. Like I think I see what is great about monogamy or for polyamory or open relationships for other people. But for me, I think like emotionally that would be a lot to manage and right no there ha- i think i think people have to ask themselves like is i'm i've been amazed that like it doesn't it's not men like men don't aren't more polyamorous than women this is a hundred percent certain like women desire novelty and are as curious about this yeah. as as men are if not more uh what's interesting is to like like as as i date women and i'm very upfront about my non-monogamous ways these days <laughs> and um and it's really about 50 50 i find like 50 percent of women are you know have just are just like that's not for me i find it you know good luck but like just no interest and then the half of women are just like oh how i've always been curious about this uh-huh. or um and that's that's amazing you know like the, the whole cliche of like men like wanting to go out and spread their seeds and women like wanting to be at home and like be monogamous that's just not true, I don't think. I was just uh, I was just uh, bartending last week, and I had two Mexican single moms, like women that work in offices, and one of them that they come in all the time. But we just got started talking about this for some reason, and one of them was like, she's like, I just you know I've got a boyfriend who's like too jealous, but I like every few months I like to go and have sex with like some other guy, and then her other friend was mad at her, and she's like, it's true, and she's like, I try not to, but every few months I just have to. <laughs> And I was like, I have a friend. Yeah. Like, I, it, yeah, it's, it's not just men and women. I definitely have some female friends that are like, I, 
will never be monogamous ever. And like, you know, that's as almost seemingly ingrained in them as, uh, you know, what I, my preference. So. Absolutely. And, and, and the best thing that can happen through movies like this and through like com Dan Savage and through the conversations like we're having is that people should just like, without beating themselves up, should just recognize like, I prefer not to be monogamous. And then the best thing is for people who are not monogamous to meet each other and know, <laughs> you know, yeah, at, at, from the start. <laughs> And not just like default into a monogamous relationship when people just aren't made for that. And it's okay, you know, like, and, and people, and also obviously important is like safety. Uh -huh. And it turns out that people who are cheating are tend to be, and, and ostensibly in monogamous relationships actually tend to have higher rates of STDs uh -huh. because they're not talking about it. Whereas if you're saying like, oh, okay, you're having sex with other people. Let's make sure that we're, we're safe. Let's make sure people use condoms. Like, make, uh, having this conversation can help do this in a responsible way that isn't just reckless and destroying people's lives both emotionally and physically amazing where can people find the documentary so the the, the movie just came out on stars pay-per-view and uh so now we're in uh, uh december of 2018 this will probably air in january so hopefully uh then it's going to be on itunes and netflix in the coming months but first stars then look for it elsewhere. You, people can go to monogamishmovie.com and they can also go to the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash monogamishmovie and hopefully like the, the page and, uh, and yeah, get in touch with me on Facebook and Instagram, Tao Ruspoli, T-A-O and then R-U-S-P-O-L-I. Awesome. Thank you so much for enlightening us. <laughs> Thank you. That was a great conversation. Appreciate it. <laughs>